mission of uh, you know Family Dinner Foundation and our family dinners to connect the world as a family over the dinner table. Create your life. 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 On skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Beautiful people, happy, happy Sunday. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and it is an amazing Sunday. Uh, blessed and happy to be here. Have an amazing, amazing guest in the studio and also a good brother of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, <laughs> which we just found out that we're in the same frat. So super excited about that. Um, but before I bring on this amazing guest, you and I, we have to catch up. Uh, over the last week, I will have to say that... Um, Things have been character building, and I think the biggest lesson that I've been learning uh, over the last week and actually over the last month has just been to stay the course. Um, You know, I've been in this program and in this class, and I feel like I'm learning new things every single week. And what it's really showing me is just that I don't know enough and that I don't know a lot. And I, I know that, you know, you always hear that slogan or that saying that, you know, the smartest people know that they don't know a lot or that they don't know everything. But it is very interesting because I feel like I hit this wall where I just feel like, man, I don't know anything. But with that, you know, I leave every class or on a daily basis. I'm asking questions and I'm learning that I'm asking questions differently and that I'm also taking more time to study and to think through things and to also take action. You know, so no matter how I feel, you know, even though it's definitely a mixed bag because I know that I'm learning and I'm growing. But at the same time, it's like, oh, these growing pains. But I know that I'm going to be good and better as a person on the other end of this. So I think that, you know, it's just important to stay the course. And no matter what, you know, I'm not going to give up. But I can tell you that there have been some times over this past week where I'm just like, dude, you know what I mean? Like, have I been building in a vacuum? Have I really been stretching myself to try to be the best that I could be, you know, so far for the last nine years that I've been in New York? And at the end of the end of the day, all of that doesn't even matter what I did before, because it's all about uh, moving and, and taking action differently in this moment. And Create Your Life Series family, that's one of the most important things that we have here. The reason why I come to you transparently about catch-up and about what's going on with me in life is because I think that it's important for us to understand that you can be the expert and still be transparent about the things that are going on with you. And I feel like that's the stuff that makes us family and that really helps us to grow Um, and that you really only grow through being vulnerable. So I encourage everybody who listens to the Create Your Life series to, you know, talk to your people and your friends uh, about, you know, being the vulnerability and the challenges that you may be facing. And that's the way that you're going to grow through it. 
And of course, you always have the option to call in here to this uh, to the show and share with us how we're helping you grow and, you know, the things that you're learning and the things that you're going through, you know, ask questions and, uh, you know, really become more interactive with us because that's what we want. That's what we want to see. And I want to send a shout out to everybody who's on Facebook Live right now. Uh, if you're looking for us on Facebook Live, it's definitely um, at, well, back facebook.com backslash Kev Brown 001. And um, you can always call into the studio, 212-650-6903. Uh, that being said, we're going to cut to a quick musical break, and then we're going to come back with today's guest, who is, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, when I met this guy, I was kind of like, you know what, this this guy might, you know what I mean, could be a role model for me, or is a role model for me to become a better man. And then I looked up his birth date, and he's only born 14 days before me, so, you know, <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a a friend tour and a peer tour type of situation, you know, where all, all the times your mentors and, you know, people who you learn from don't have to be older than you you know, can be younger than you as long as you're open to learning and becoming a better person. So here we are with uh, Bruno Mars. That's what I like. Beautiful people, we are back. And now I actually am going to bring on today's guest, um, Mr. Lawrence Ajay. Please say hello to the Create Your Life Series family. Hey, good evening, family. Uh, this is Lawrence, and I'm really grateful to be here. Kevin, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a long time coming, man, so I'm really grateful to, to, to be here in, in this experience, man. Definitely a long time coming, man. Um, I'm not. I haven't even read anything about your bio and what you do yet, man. But <laughs> it's it's funny. We met at a dinner that I mean at your organization. What what it, what it is that you guys do, man? And what was that about? A year? How long ago was that? When, when it was about. Man? I think it was a little. It was. I think it was January of uh, 2016, I believe. Wow. So January 2016, I think we're at STK. Yeah, yeah. STK in Midtown. Yeah. When I met you, brother, I was like, you know what? I gotta have him on the show. Mm. I love what you were doing. I love the energy there. So Create Your Life Series family, let me just tell you a little bit about Lawrence. Lawrence is an entrepreneur and community builder. Um, he's dedicated to our creating content, community, and conversation that unites, heals, and transforms lives. And, you know, we all have our different experiences um, and, and uh, just different experiences in life overall. Yeah. And I think that that healing aspect and the, and the transformation is, is super important, but you can't do that without the unity and the uniting of that. Um, so Lawrence, jumping right in, your organization is called uh, Fam the Family Dinner. Family Dinner Foundation. Right. Uh, we're a not-for-profit organization uh, based out of New York. Mm -hmm. uh, the tradition that we, you know, introduced ourselves to the world was our family dinner, mm -hmm. and our family dinner technically started in 2008, but as a nonprofit, that was 2014. Okay, awesome, man. You had that just canned right there. Oh no, nah, man! man. <laughs> I was like, don't put the can on me. <laughs> no, man. Uh, I it, love that. You said a lot. So. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. So. I want to go back before you even started the organization because yeah. you got some amazing accolades. You, you know, are from Brooklyn. Oh, born in Brooklyn, but my New Jersey people come up in arms if you just say oh, that. My bad, yeah. my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, my <laughs> bad. Okay, so you're originally born in Brooklyn, yeah. raised in New Jersey. Yes. Uh, you went to Harvard for undergrad. Yes. Then you went to uh, UT Austin uh, yes. for your master's. Yes. And then to Stanford for MBA. Yeah. But tell us about how that all came together, because I know you were looking at you. You were state champion in track as well. You went to Harvard to run track. I mean, how does this all come together? Man, I, I wish, you know, I think a lot of the uh, things that happen you know, in my life, and I think many people could relate to this, is that you don't really see it until looking back. You're like, oh, that's how that worked out. But, mm. you know, I think the big thing, you know, as a, you know, born in Brooklyn, New York, Flatbush, Caton Avenue and uh, Piscataway, New Jersey, um, as you imagine, it's a, a Nigerian immigrant household and, uh, you know, education was number one. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I was lucky and fortunate that I had amazing sisters. I have three sisters, uh, you know, two are older. And my oldest sister, Bassie, she really set the the bar because she was brilliant 
uh, intellectually, but academically. She was obviously an amazing sister, but also just was killing it on the track. You know, she was burning me around the block. And, and so <laughs> it, it was this dual thing. And my, our parents didn't really push us to say, hey, you have to do sports. Uh, they wanted us to be active. That was a big thing. But they said, whatever you do, you better do it with excellence. Give it 110 mm, percent. I like that. So what was clear for me, you know, I, I developed a, a great love. I knew education was number one. There was no if, ands or buts about it. Um, but I fell in love with first soccer. You know, uh, I think anybody in Nigeria, Peter Rufai, Aminike, you know, we, we'll go <laughs> on that. But I uh, fell in love with soccer. But when I got to, to high school, um, track and field was, uh, you know, I really fell in love with that. One of which was just felt like it was a direct relationship between the time that I put in, mm-hmm. you know, the early hills at 5 a.m. before I got into, you know, first mm. period class, the, the, the time that I put in, I felt there's a direct relationship uh, versus soccer was great. But, you know, it was just like, man, you know, if your team ain't good, then there's another thing, too. I could be just riding the bench. And, right. uh, you know, I just it really worked with my personality. And so uh, long story short, um, you know, did well, have fortune to, to, to stay healthy and uh, be you know, national champ. but also All-American, uh, you know, my, my last two years in junior and senior year. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, you know, I got an opportunity to go to Harvard. And that was just, again, by grace. And I said, hey, my big goal was you know, uh, you know, doing well and going to represent Nigerian Olympics. And uh, it didn't work out. <laughs> you know, injuries, yeah. things happen. But, you know, that's how it kind of worked out. And then, you know, as you talk about the other schools, uh, you know, there's a lot that happened in between, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, after I was over in Harvard, you know, I had a unique opportunity to get a scholarship after I graduated from Harvard to Texas mm-hmm. to compete because I had a medical redshirt from my first year when I got injured. Wow. Um, and so Austin, Texas, I'm deeply in love with Austin, Texas, if anybody knows me. <laughs> um, South by Southwest. So, yeah, man, I live right on South Congress, man. Austin is a beautiful city, some amazing people, and uh, it just was a, a great introduction to Texas for me. And uh, from there, I came back to New York and, uh, you know, was uh, I started as a consultant. I was a uh, mm-hmm. you know, management consulting at McKinsey & Company, focused right. primarily on sports and entertainment, uh, serving the NFL, NBA, anything sports and entertainment. Um, I had some great partners and directors there that, you know, welcomed me on that team to do that work. Um, and then, you know, was around the world for that you know, decided coming from family entrepreneurs, I really want to be an operator. So, you know, was able to work at a sport and entertainment marketing agency. Uh, and then, you know, before that kind of put my foot in the water to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And then Stanford was just, uh, for me, one, you know, I heard about, I never lived in California. And I think for anybody <laughs> who grew up, you know, I, I love movies and I love music. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think, I'm, I'm be honest, man, Boys in the Hood messed me up, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, for a while, yeah. I was just like, they got Jericho's, they real gangsters out there, man. So, right, right. Uh, but, but, but a part of California that intrigued me was Silicon Valley. And, mm-hmm. you know, entrepreneurship, it felt like there were people out there not just saying all the ideas that they had, but doing it. Right. And I said, if anything, just by osmosis, just by being in that environment, how much can I grow? How much mm-hmm. can I learn? And also, I just loved community, and I felt that I lived in so many places. I said, I'd love to just be in California and mm-hmm. just be with friends and, and, and build friendships out there. So mm-hmm. that brought me to California, which was an amazing experience. Uh, yeah. I can't say enough about uh, my Stanford Business School experience and my classmates, the community that came around me, but also the change that happened. I think we'll talk a little bit about that with Family Dinner. Right. You know, and, and, and I think Stanford was a very pivotal in at me actually making the decision to really put my time and effort into family dinner. And, you know, I came out to California to say, hey, 
hey, for the first time, you know, I was involved, heavily involved with the Harvard Black Community, alumni community. I, I was the president of the, our board. Exactly. And, um, you know, so I felt that. I said, I, I am lucky to be rooted in this community, which is amazing. And mm-hmm. I have lifelong relationships. Uh, but I felt for the first time in my life, I was like, I just want to be a member. <laughs> I just want to show up. I don't want to lead anything. Right. But Stanford, man, and the Bay Area, man, I fell in love with it very quickly. But I also knew I felt the pain that many people were experiencing out there. Which is uh, you live out there, and it's it's very wide. Where you could be East Bay, you know, you know, down 880. You could be down South Bay in San Jose. You could be in, in kind of the Mid Bay, and seeing people that you know of the same culture uh, that, that that look like you, and right. you know, who who care about you, I think was difficult. So. Stanford was there, you know, I had a great experience at Stanford and in two years and, you know, now I'm, uh, you know, you know, on the tail end of, of uh, completing my seminary degree at Gordon-Conwell. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I'm based out, I'm based obviously in New York and I commute up uh, to uh, 45 minutes outside of uh, Massachusetts, uh, for uh, Massachusetts out of Boston. And uh, that's been an amazing experience. And I can't tell you how, I couldn't even tell you how I found myself back in school again. Uh, <laughs> so that's just hey, the man. academic kind of review. Right. You know, well, I think, you know, one of the big things is life is, you know, continuous learning. Yeah. Even when it's uncomfortable, as I was talking about earlier. And yeah. So that's probably why you're back in school, because you <laughs> understand that, you know, if you're not learning, then, you know, you're becoming stagnant. Yes. Question that I have for you. Yeah. Um, you said you come from a, uh, your, your family and you are Nigerian. Yeah. So like what? We're in Nigeria. Like, are you Igbo? Are you Hausa? Are you Yoruba? Like, what, what's up? You know, that's I only know a couple. That's Delta you, State. That's like you, I, I know that's usually the leadoff leg. They're right. like, yeah, you, you Igbo, you this. I'm just like, ah, nah, player. Uh, no, actually, <laughs> you know, actually, I'm ethic in the Bibio. And okay. uh, my, my, uh, my, you know, my, my dad is from Cross River State. Yeah. And my mom's from Ekwa Ibom. Ekwa Ibom. I-B-O-M, Aqua Ibom State. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for people to say, like, where you from, whatever, man, I just rep, you know, Kalaba, you know, my dad, and, you know, that's where I'm from. And so it's actually not a, a huge group in terms of volume right. of, of, of number, in terms of numbers. You know, mm-hmm. Ibo, Yoruba are, you know, the, you know, primary. But for me, I think especially born here, I mean, man, you know, like when people ask me that, I'm like, I'm proud, I'm grateful from where I'm from. And, you know, I love my culture, but I also love just, just being Nigerian. I love being black. And I love that, you know, even for me, I think our, particularly our generation, Generation, mm-hmm. it was like it's one family. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, so it's right. just like you know, you're. But I'm like, I'm not. But we fam, we brother right. and sister, and so I appreciate that. Absolutely. Okay. So we talked a bit about you. You know, your background, like how you got to where you are today, standing in in, in front of me. Tell yeah. us about you know our family dinner, the foundation. Um, you know why and when it got started. I know you said. 2008, right? Yeah, 2008 is t- technically, yeah. Technically, right. Yeah. So walk us through that. You know, why did you did you found this organization? Why did you feel a need? Man, oh, man. Uh, so I, I'd lead off by saying it was unintentional. So okay. there was not a grand plan. I wasn't, you know, sitting in the corner. I'm like, yo, here's how we're going to do this. Um, it was coming back from Texas and uh, living in New York and come back to New York. And for me, that's still relatively home. If you're from the tri-state area, you, you know, you're kind of familiar that, hey, I'm kind of home, even though I'm working here. Yeah. But as you know, for many people, New York is just a mesh of so many people for, you know, career opportunities, financial service and the like. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was an interesting dynamic. Uh, when it ended up happening was that I moved back and, uh, you know, was just catching up with a number of different friends. But one one set of friends that, you know, one uh, sister, it really sat with me. And I, I had I'd done work with her over one of my summer internships. And she was just doing extremely well in uh, investment banking arena. And just talking to her, you know, she was just like, Lawrence, I'm doing extremely well. I, you know, it's got a promotion, da, da, da. You know, and she wasn't from New York originally and family wasn't from it. She's just like, but be honest, like, I'm depressed. Mm. And like, you know, and, you know, one, I felt privileged that she could share that with me, but she's just like, 
all I do is work. And, you know, it seems like the only opportunity for you to get to really meet people is just one or one or two things, one of which is just net, is networking, which mm-hmm. she said, like, you know, it's a time and a place for that. But, you know, if you don't really have family, you don't have close friends, man, right. it feels very empty. Like, only people care about is, like, well, your resume. Just yeah, your like, titles well, and what stuff. do you do? Mm-hmm. Where, what school you go to? And mm-hmm. essentially, that's a way for people to kind of really evaluate you and filter you, okay, are you worth my time or not? Mm-hmm. Are, are you valuable? And from a utilitarian standpoint, she's like, so I don't really feel cared for there. And then from a social standpoint, again, that's that's a balance. You time and place, but she felt like, you know, especially, you know, as a young sister, you know, if you, you know, and you, you know, you, if, if you remember who you are and in the image of God, you know, like you feel attractive, you go out, but, you know, felt like kind of predatory, <laughs> right, you know, right, where right. it's just Absolutely. like, man, you know, men only have, you know, you know, you know, physical relationships. And then, you know, a lot of sisters seem like they already got their circles. <laughs> and so, this, if if you work in a pretty high intense industry, or even if you don't, mm-hmm. you could feel, and especially if you don't have generations of people or friends who have been here for a long time, mm-hmm. you feel really lonely mm-hmm. because all you do is get up, mm-hmm. work, right. come home, right. and then the spaces that you do come in, it's not like people are really care that you're there; right, they just right, right. care what you can do for them. Absolutely. So I kept hearing that consistently, mm-hmm. and I, you know, you feel like this hospitality responsibility. I was just like, I'm from here, so I have a privilege right, that absolutely. I don't have to go through that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I could worry about getting moved in and. You know, me, you know, barely pay, saving any money because I'm paying so much on rent. Right. Um, but, <laughs> you know, so it, it, New York. I mean, we can laugh through the tears now, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like the way my, the way my, 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 my Vanguard comes. set up, right, you know, right. like, but, you know, what ended up happening was that I kept hearing that consistently. Yeah. And, you know, I think I was hearkening back to just my experience growing up that we always had dinner as a family. Mm-hmm. And I think for whether Nigerian or, or not or wherever you're from, man, like mm-hmm. we dinner as a family was just non-negotiable. I couldn't say, hey, I want to play Nintendo, go to my room. We ate, we ate, we ate Farina or people call Fufu. We mm-hmm. sat. My dad got my home. Mom was home. So some of us is our chores. Some, of the, some people have Farina duties. So, and we ate. And that was a time that we decompressed and we connected. Mm-hmm. The second thing that was very you know, important and a big influence for me was that, you know, even though we, we had family, you know, mm-hmm. you know, but a lot of the people that we knew growing up weren't really blood related to us. They were like our family. My, my parents went to school with them or right. they became friends here in the States. Right. But we call them auntie and uncle. Right. So very soon early in my life, I got accustomed to building familial relationships with people who I actually wasn't related to. Mm. For me, that wasn't like odd. So, you know, a basic thing I thought to myself, I was like, imagine, you know, I know I'm, I have the privilege of relationships. That's a blessing. So how can I, how can I make sure that my sister's good? And then all the other people that I keep hearing about who feel lonely, man, I know people, man, that's, yo, if if, if they're my family and you my fam, they're your family too. Right. So host ended up hosting a dinner at Carmine's right in, um. Uh, time in Times Square right. in the theater district mm-hmm. and uh, all we said was it wasn't basic had no name it was a BCC email from me and I said hey you know we're gonna phones away uh, you know we're not gonna do resume rundowns at the, at you know at the table and nothing mm-hmm. like that hugs and we're gonna really get to know people without doing the typical and man you know great friends people showed up man it was about like 28 people showed up uh, about 30 people showed up and um, you know you know we, we closed that place down you know, and even I remember when we first then people shared, you know, I remember introducing people. Here's how I know that person. And that yeah. person, I knew this person. And mm-hmm. so even in that room, it felt so intimate. And ultimately, at the end, people were like, we need it. This was so refreshing, man. We need to do this again. Right. And the ultimate only ask we had was just invite somebody who you, who you believe would appreciate this, who would really love this. Yeah. And then from there, the next one had like 75 people. The next one had like 125 people. And then wow. nearly 200 people for years. And, and, and until when I headed out to California, my plan was just flying back to New York every couple months to host the dinner. Wow. And again, we still didn't have a name. It wasn't until my second year, going to second year at Stanford, where 
people are like, hey, man, I heard that you do this in New York. Look at the way the Bay is, man. Like, it'd be really fruitful for, you know, brothers and sisters to come around. And I remember hosting the first dinner. I was like, okay, all right, hosted the first dinner. Man, the first dinner, we had like 120 people there right at um, at Farmer Brown's in the the Bay. And, and, and from there, it took off. And so it wasn't actually until that year, about mm-hmm. 2012, four years after we ever started, that we came up with a name. And that was the name I was just like, I, I, I remember putting it down. I was like, what am I going to call this? I'm like, you know, The Family Dinner. So that was the first name, The Family Dinner. Still no website, mm-hmm. still nothing. It was just an email going out. And I think from there, as we grew, a lucky, a fortunate thing happened. People started reaching out. My boy from, uh, you know, fellow new, my boy Justin Henry reached out from Dallas, Texas. And he was just like, hey, man, you know, like, I just moved back to Dallas. Man, here are my wife. We need this in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, my sister Simona from D.C. and so many people reached out. And that's when I knew that, you know, one of the, that was one of the kind of the checks where I was just like, this is something huge, and this is a beautiful thing that we need to be doing. And it wasn't 2014 until we actually became a nonprofit for the sake of just even credibility, because I didn't right. want to formalize it. I don't want people to think there's a production, right, you know, right, that right. some, you know, we're trying to create a brand out of it, you know. And so we did that then, 2014. So Family Dinner was an official uh, nonprofit in 2014, and that by that point I had moved back to New York, yeah, in 2014. And so you had there's two different types of dinners that you have for family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have the the neighborhood dinner, and then you also have the dinners which are hosted in in houses in homes. Can mm-hmm. you talk to us about that? So that's more. So so that's so that's the great thing about that is that now you know it feels like we're going back to the essence of just even the mission and the mission of uh, you know Family Dinner Foundation and our family dinner is to connect the world as a family over the dinner table. Right. And what, for many people who have got who've had experience with it over these years, they've experienced it in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Now the reason you know we didn't give it as much thought. Part of it was just like hey. We just would need a place that could, you know, you know, host this many people that would take a lot of the headache out of hosting people. But ultimately, like I said, the inspiration was, you know, my family growing up going, you know, you know, aluminum pans, you know, just, you know, Sunday afternoon, Saturday evening, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And so we became accustomed to being known as that. So what it was initially was that twice a year Mm -hmm. in every city where this was, you would have hosts who were volunteers, would volunteer their time to learn how this thing rocks. We would support those hosts centrally and that they would host those dinners in these restaurants. Now, anybody, the host, man, you know, the reason why I have a I'm so grateful for the experience in part because of the hosts and how long suffering and how loving they were because hosting in a restaurant is very difficult. One from a cost standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one, if you're in a city that you have places that have enough inventory, Mm -hmm. enough space to host 75, even 75 people, Mm -hmm. you take that for granted. Number two, as we shared, we talked about it. We wanted this to be for the family. Right. Family means everybody. Absolutely. Family does not just mean that, man, I have all this free, accessible, free cash flow. Right. Or I'm a banker. or I have this. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yo, it's the student. It's the unemployed person. Right. It's the cat from the block. Right. right. It's my sister who's the banker. Right. And so we said, man, we need to bring these costs down. So that's another challenge mm-hmm. for people who are going out trying to find these venues. Right. Finding venues. And, you know, restaurants, I'm sympathetic and I appreciate and, and respect that business mm-hmm. is that most of them are it's very difficult business. It's right. kind of like low margin on food, high margin on alcohol. business. Right. And so for many, they were like, yo, we can't do this for anything less than 60, 70 dollars. Right. And so early on, you know, I think that like how I was doing, I think financially allowed me to be able to be a part of subsidizing it for many years to say, right. here's how we bring the cost down. But that was the initial plan. Mm-hmm. But 
we realized over time, I think even in this past two, two three years, mm-hmm. where we're like, that's what we came known for. And that's great when you see photos of people. I love that. You just love seeing our, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. our people just looking beautiful and just being happy, yeah. especially, in, you know, with the backdrop of what's going on in the world. That's a very good thing, and it's something we should be grateful for. But we realized that at the end of the day, we're not tied to doing, our mission is not doing dinners at restaurants. Right. Our mission is that we want to connect the world as a family over dinner table. Right. And we realize that the actual barrier, we, don't, we can't host enough dinners for the demand. You have nearly o- over 30,000 people just on the list alone. So right. we said, you don't, you know, and, and that was early. And so mm-hmm. we said, we, don't, we can't host enough dinners to meet the demand. Right. So the real thing is that how do we empower? Mm-hmm. We, don't need, we don't need to take credit. How do we empower brothers and sisters like you and me mm-hmm. to open their homes? Right. To host dinners right. for the people in the neighborhood, people in, you know, people who are in the community, mm-hmm. and if somebody opening your home, that's the most vulnerable thing you could do. Absolutely, right. And you remember back Absolutely. in the day, it used to be like, oh man, people are not going to get in cars. You think you're going to ride drive cars around and you're going to you know like ride sharing? Remember that was crazy. Yeah. And then people did that, and and so there are obviously concerns and all fears of that. But we said, man, that's the essence. That's the essence, a man. Family. And so, a, family. a family. When you family open your home, when you move into a neighborhood, mm-hmm. people care that you move into a neighborhood. Right. And they actually come out, they welcome you, yeah. they give you some food that they labored over. Right. That's love. And we've, I think in many ways, not because I think people intentionally do it, but because we're moving so fast. Right. Our time's moving so fast. Right. And so people now just don't have time to slow down and stop for people mm-hmm. and say, yo, you're, you're welcome here. We care that you're here. Mm-hmm. We're living together. Mm-hmm. We're going to actually be experiencing real life. And I live within 10 feet of you. I was right. in Chicago. I mean, we, in the workshop, I shared with people that remember that story from years ago where that sister man was passed away and she was in her apartment for seven years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Seven years. So mm-hmm. I was just like, man, you know, like, wow, that's deep. How could that happen? So I think, you know, for us, that's where I think that's where we are now, mm-hmm. getting back to the essence of those home based dinners. And so that's what I'm excited about um, in terms of where the organization is going now. OK, well, awesome, man. Thank you for clearing that up. I mean, you just <laughs> dropped a whole bunch of uh, the knowledge, you know, especially about, you know, how your culture helped you shape this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that going from you know, California to New York, and then basically creating a demand for it. So we're going to cut to a quick musical break, man, and we're going to come back. um, And I want to dive more into the business aspect of the family dinner, Mm -hmm. man, your experience, uh, the the sharpness. And, of course, I mean, for you to, uh, for this thing to have grown how it is, that says a lot about you and your personality and and the traits that you have um, and the love. You said something I thought was really, really cool. You talked about, um, making sure that the dinners, the family dinners are affordable for everybody. Can yeah. you tell us what the price points are for the family dinner for those of us that want to um, attend one in a, in a city near us? Yeah, his, historically, man, I think our, our, our global range was anywhere between like $35 and $45. Um, and, you know, and, and that was, again, our restaurant-hosted dinners. Right. right? So these were where uh, essentially we would, um, you know, book these dinners with the restaurants. Yeah. And then we would allow family members to purchase their tickets in advance for the mm-hmm. cost of that dinner. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're the, kind of the the heart of your question is kind of like, so how do you ensure that it's affordable? Absolutely. Right? And Absolutely. I think the reality, and I think we learned this, and I think part of this is just, man, we're not. I'm not here to try to impress anybody, you know, at all. It's mm-hmm. just that you also recognize just like things that you, you know, hard lessons. And uh, one of the challenging things I think is that in many ways I felt I handicapped the organization early mm-hmm. um, because I was subsidizing a lot of the dinners, right? right. For, for for a long time because I felt that you know this is you know I was given these resources and I want to make sure it's happened. And the reality is that. <clears throat> 
it's very hard to bring that price down, yeah. right? Um, you know, and so just I, I won't go too technical in terms of just like the how it works, but many restaurants, especially during that time, would say, okay, if I'm going to op- close off this restaurant to you, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a certain amount of revenue that I get during that time. Right. So I need you, you to guarantee this, right. right? So in many cities... I think the unintended consequence of that is that, for example, you'd be in New York and they may say, hey, we, you, have a, you have a 10K guarantee, you have a 15K guarantee. Right, right. So what that, the dynamic of what that would do to the team is that for us, we didn't get in, you know, this is not a hustle, you know, like, you, right. know, you know, essentially we just want to have a space for brothers and sisters to build lifelong friendships and really feel cared for yeah. and then break bread over a meal where it's just something magical happens over a meal. Right. But a meal where you're in tune and in focus exactly. because there's you're no fo- phone and we're not talking pre- work. You're fully present. You're not right. sitting there being like, yeah, 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 okay, swipe, swipe, swipe. Right. But at the same time, when you got a guarantee, that's just hard. So you're like, man, no matter what happens, even if three people show up, Mm -hmm. I need to pay twelve thousand dollars, fifteen thousand dollars. Right. And so it doesn't matter no matter what you do. You know, we and we're just we've been so fortunate to have great hosts is that it just puts pressure, Mm -hmm. another level of pressure where they can't focus as much on just calling people up, checking in on them, just being yeah. able to enjoy. And so I just felt that, you know, so, you know, part of the way we were able to do it at first was just me subsidizing it, right. paying for kind of some of that and, and being able to limit that cost. But uh-huh. clearly, uh, you know, money runs out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, second, um, I think building relationships, I think the same dynamic we built over the dinner table mm-hmm. with people in between people, um, we were able to build with many restaurants who just said, man, I've seen this experience. And also we did good business with them where they're like, wow, absolutely. we actually did more than we ever thought we did. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, we were able to leverage it and bring costs down. Um, and we were also able to do that by doing it earlier in the day and uh, keeping it as consistent as we can. Okay. So one thing that you said, you said globally, you've been able to keep these prices down. Um, how do you train people in other countries? Because I know for a fact that you've done Nigeria, London, and Johannesburg, Johannesburg being one of my favorite cities, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in, in the world. But how did you train those people, the local hosts there, uh, yeah. centrally, as yeah, you yeah. said? Yeah, so yeah, they're Joburg's new school, so we're excited about getting that rocking out. But the, um, the, so part of it is, uh, you know, I'm grateful that part of it is half of it you don't have to do. Mm-hmm. Half of it is that you just have, uh, I think, what you call servant leaders, people who just yeah. have that disposition. They were already doing this in our life. And I always, liked this, I always, always used to say this over these years, was that's like, you know, we're, we're doing something special, but we're not doing anything special, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning that there are people, you know, people are hosting this all the time. People are being hospitable right now, Absolutely. right? But you're only, your reach is only as far as your circle, yeah. right? And so for us, we felt like we're the great equalizer mm-hmm. because we want to declickify with most of the community building initiative happen in cities, which yeah. you, for any sake, you're only going to reach the people that you know. But if somebody doesn't know that person, somebody don't like this person, that ruins everything. Yeah. And I think for us, because, you know, people can invite friends from other cities and do all that, it right. really, really made it, uh, you know, made it, made it work very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was just, you know, very, very important for us to kind of, uh, you know, get that, cl- get that rolling. But how did you get that trust with these people? Yeah. Oh, and, yes. And, and how did you, you know, is there, is there a, a format that you guys follow? Like this is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Our SOPs. Are yeah, man. So, 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 man, we've gone through so many iterations, almost like, <laughs> like, like albums, man. Yeah. In the beginning, man, I think we had this, like, uh, my host, forgive me, man. <laughs> we had this 80 page guide the first time. Oh, wow. I literally was just like, let me take what's in my head and put it down. Yeah, yeah. Then we'd send it off to them and then we'd do like Google Hangouts, yeah. you know, and then now we're with Zoom. Shout out to Zoom for showing us love, mm-hmm. um, you know, and where we'd essentially do video conferences, we'd have trainings. Mm-hmm. Um, and soon, obviously, we grew and we grew pretty large. And 
then ultimately people are like, man, I, I, this is 80 pages. This is a lot of content. Reading, right. And so every year we, it was, it was like a, you know, it got better. And mm-hmm. so we would get feedback. We see a year we'd make mistakes. People would be like, I forgot about that. Or how was the music with that? Right, or right. shoot, how did we get that printed out? Yeah. And so it was a lot of just, you know, uh, just kind of pits and starts, you know, checks. But I think the half of it is just that you have great people that show up. Mm. And so I don't want to over, I, I don't want to overstate our ability to be so special to train them up. Right. But the other 50%, I think that we've got better with, with each year. We've gotten mm. better with each year is to say, let's really boil down the essence of what we do. Right. Let's make sure that it's clear that people understand the mission. So we'd mm-hmm. have that full conference. We'd go through the mission. Yeah. We'd have people and past host, which I think is the most, you know, um, um, effective, share the testimonies about like what this means to them. Absolutely. Personalize it. The second thing is just under, understand the fundamentals, mm-hmm. how this works operationally. Yeah. I think the third thing is then just saying, how do we interact with the, the with the um, with the venues, and then how do you guys divide and conquer the major roles, right? Mm. So the major roles are saying local community builder, the person who's actually doing the logistics with the restaurant, right? Right? Because I think our big thing we recognize very early is that this can't, this is not you know somebody descending upon a city like <laughs> yo, I'm just showing up in Detroit right, right, right. and rocking and rolling. That's not going to work, right? right? It's just that this needs to be fully owned by the city, somebody and I think there, we got better actually. over time learning what that looks like because. Mm. There were times in certain cities where we're really hands-on and another city where they're just like, we got this. Yeah. Right, we're good. And, I, you know, and so I think for us, again, it was half just having just amazing people. And I think many, anybody who's worked in volunteer roles with people or has worked with people as an employed people, they recognize getting great people is half the battle. Mm-hmm. And the other half is saying walking with people patiently and graciously and also being a humble leader patiently to share. and graciously. I like yeah. that. All right, so this is a question that I have to ask for the people who have dietary restrictions like myself. <laughs> Are there vegan and vegetarian options? Hey, brother? man, hey, man, our, our tradition, our thing is everybody eats at the family dinner table. And so, I like that. And so <laughs> one of the things that when you register for the dinner, and again, I'm, I keep talking about the restaurant-based ones. Again, yeah. there's there's a shift in the organization in terms of the, the, the home-based dinners. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, when people register, they put their dietary restrictions and uh, they share, you know, what they can and cannot eat. And, uh, and from there, uh, our hosts, amazing hosts, would take that to the restaurant and say, hey, these brothers and sisters cannot eat these foods. We want to make sure that they have not only just the options that work, Comparable amounts, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, you get the yeah. vegan joy. You're just yeah. like you. I got, I got half a sprout like on a this sushi. plate. You yeah, know what I mean? Sushi portion, exactly, man. <laughs> just hungry, stomach growling. You yeah. know, so we we don't Sad. want that. Yeah, eating all sides. Oh, so you on a vegan team, man? Hey, this a, they, they got everybody. I'm on a vegetarian. <laughs> you you're on a vegetarian. You know, some, okay. of, some of the creative life series family. You know what I mean? They out there. Uh, shout out to Angela Singleton. What's yeah. going on? Uh, tuning in on. Uh, on uh, Instagram Live, you got any people who's saying hi to you? Or, hey, man, you know? I, I, I've, I've been paying attention to you, but I just wanted to put it on at the same time. <laughs> okay, okay. No, nah, I mean, you can shout out your people if they listen, oh, man. No man, problem. Oh, yeah, man, shout out to the people in the room. Hey, what's going on? Sh- you know, you know Shana, she's a uh, shout out to my, my sister, uh, Shana Stevenson. Uh, you know, she's the, my sports guru sister, and she just she's shouting out the vegans because I'll be giving her the side on some of the plates I'll be seeing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, man, fam- family dinner sounds so amazing. Um, and everything that you said has been epic. What are some of the challenges to running the business? Ooh, ooh, uh, the nonprofit, the organization, yeah, the man. Organization. Um, mm-hmm. Man, the, the, and what I learned, man, whew, uh, friendship, relationships are everything, right? Mm. When we first started, again, you know, I, you know, me personally, but mm-hmm. also just between the hosts, everybody knew each other very, very well. So even though we were in different cities, because we're all learning this, we everybody spoke to everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody spoke, every single host in every city 
group text. We had a group me. We mm-hmm. got on the phone. I was every single week speaking with people, just checking in our life. I was like, I don't want to talk family dinner stuff. What's going on with your wife? Hey, what's going on with you? And so we built a relationship. For example, you know, my, one of my, my sister, Simone in D.C., man, she gave me the privilege of being the, 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 the godfather of her child. Yeah. And, and, and that was a testament to just the relationships we built. The challenge is as you grow. That, this is the thing that's grieved me the most. You know, when people are like, are you excited? I'm like, I'm excited, but it was hard because you didn't, I didn't have those personal relationships. So I may speak to them, but right. when you're at 150, 200 hosts, right. it's hard for you to have a deep, personal, uh, you know, vulnerable relationship where people okay. trust you. So one of the big challenges was that at the end of the day, people go to bat for, you know, like, you know, when you're learning and you don't even know, it's not, no one, you know, no one's really done this. You're, you're just going off of vision casting. Mm-hmm. It's really important for you to have relationships and invest that up front. And as you grow, that's not as strong. So when you're really pushing people, I really believe in like, man, and for me, it's, it's ministry. For me, it's just saying we're not doing this for ourselves. There are people out there that need relationships. When need you this. push people mm-hmm. and you don't have fr- deep friendship and relationship, yeah. and sometimes, that, sometimes I think it's that causes back. tension right. and pushback. But I think when people trust you mm-hmm. and they have deep, deep relationship with you, they will go to bat for you. Mm-hmm. And, that, and it won't just be for you. They'll personalize that mission. Mm-hmm. But again, when you're in the trenches with people, I think relationships is number one. That's number one. Yeah. I think number two, a sustainable, scalable business model. Now, I think for anybody who just had a bait, uh, you won't, like I said, I won't get too technical. But in terms of just business and startup, most startups, you hear about businesses where, you know, like you hear, congratulations, they just raised $5 million. Right. They just raised a million dollars or they right. got seed money. Right. That's because they're not necessarily profitable in the first few years years. Right. We came out from a, a perspective where, again, we're trying to earn, you know, like, you know, our big thing was just like, we want to host dinners that are affordable. When you host dinners that are affordable, you're not necessarily making margin. Right. right? And then as we grew, the cost just of operating, man. So it's like, you have 30,000 people on your list. You know, MailChimp's going to ask for you for a check. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, everybody. You know, you, go, you, know you, got, you got everything. You know, Google's asking for that. For that you know, and, and, and so Hosting. every, our operational mm-hmm. burn, our burn rate per month was going up. Mm-hmm. Our margin, you know, was still very, very lean. And, you know, like, and so you have to manage that. So yeah. I think the difficulty is just how do you scale as right. an all-volunteer organization right. that hasn't necessarily been funded? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, I think, like I said, in many ways, I think unintentionally, I, you, know, uh, you know, I think I had to learn what real financial stewardship is. Financial stewardship is not just, I'm not, a- I'm not asking anybody for money. I just want to make sure that our books are, are transparent mm-hmm. and that every, we could pay for the things we have for. Financial stewardship is also responsibility to share the mission, to actually bring on partners to do that intentionally. And it doesn't mean that we didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that it says, no, it's important. A- ask the family mm-hmm. early. We didn't do our first fundraiser until maybe a last, the year before last mm-hmm. for 10 years. Yeah. So you're saying, man, why didn't you in- start that code? Hindsight's 2020. Yeah. But I think, you know, um, you learn the lesson of it's important. Invite people to be a part and partner with you financially. That's that vulnerability. That so, how did you, so was that your key to solving that challenge was to man. ask the family to actually pitch in? Uh, I, I think I think there's that, uh, and I think that is helpful. And I think one and cult, change takes time, right? Mm-hmm. So you remember back in the <laughs> I laugh when this happened because I you know the Twitter streets were so hilarious. I love uh, I Twitter love Twitter. Streets. Shout out to Twitter streets that, <laughs> that make me laugh every day. But okay. you remember when people heard there was rumors that you know Facebook was gonna like uh, you know start charging like yeah, a dollar. Yeah, yeah, people went up in arms. Yeah. But the thing that made me laugh about that was just like yo, like <laughs> you know you get this like we just get so comfortable once you get something for free. Or even when any Netflix goes right, up right, right. a dollar, people go up in arms like, you know, Amen. Armageddon. They're like, yo, yeah, yo, how business. dare they, <laughs> you know, buy all those servers 
and you know do all this stuff <laughs> and then charge me for this service that I'm benefiting from, right? Yeah. So I think even with that, I think what it allowed us to do was start to at least move in a direction yeah. and give people time to get accustomed to that. Because no matter change, all change is hard. No matter if it's change for the good, yeah. you know, or change for worse, people feel that all the same. And so that's you know pulling off that scab is going to hurt the same. And so I think for us, it, that allowed us to build that culture in where people said, oh, it's called our family dinner. Right. This is not Lawrence's family dinner. This is not Simona's. This is not Simone's. Right. This is not, this is not you know, like this is ours. And so Absolutely. if we're going to have these dinners, we got to mm-hmm. take ownership of it. And I think that that was good, yeah. even though it happened late. Okay. Well, now we're going to switch modes. Yeah. And uh, now it's, you know, the question's coming direct at you. <laughs> and uh, so, you know what I mean? We got about about eight of them for you. Yeah. So quick, quick, quick. Oh, man. Uh, what book would you recommend to uh, the Create Your Life series family and why? Um, I know you've done uh, a lot of reading. Yeah, <laughs> I'm reading a few books, man. Um, uh, but I just wrapped up one I think is good. Uh, the Last Lecture. Read that. The Last Lecture is about a, a, a professor who was uh, diagnosed with uh, you, know, you know terminal cancer, and he mm-hmm. talks about you know just his life lessons and the lessons that he gave to his uh, students, which was really really dope. And I think it was uh, amazing. Um, so I think that's a great great book to read. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, 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 I'm rereading Chaos uh, for Community. This is Martin Luther King's book, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's just a, just a, a great book for people to read. I think something fun, something you know, another type of book. I'm, I'm kind of into nonfiction, mm-hmm. and so those two books I, I'm, I'm, I'm rocking with, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think of another. I think seminal classic. Ah, let me. Uh, man, it's all right. But I'm, I'm, I'm a hold with those two. Don't I'm fret. Yeah, those yeah, two are cool. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna start with that. What's the top tech that you guys use in order to make sure that the uh, your, the business organization is running smoothly? The top one, I think, the one that we lean on the most, to be quite honest, is Zoom. Okay. Right, Zoom. You know, we went through man so many iterations. We before I think we were using WebEx, Cisco, and then yeah. were, you know we saw that recurring like 119 dollars going. We're like, oh, that's the last month we're doing this, right? right, right. <laughs> you know, but As Zoom a- has Zoom has just been great for us. I think uh, just being able to get on, you know, have conversations uh, seamlessly. The technology is actually reliable, yeah. and you know, when you're non co-located. Seeing people, if we're about familial, he's like seeing people in the flesh as much as you can, yeah. in, in, in spite of just the ge- ge- geographic difference. Mm-hmm. Zoom has been clutch for us, mm-hmm. you know. And so, sh- Zoom, you know, if you're hearing this, please, you know, give us a grant. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let me stop. But Zoom is great. Okay. Um, what's your favorite quote or model that you live by? Man, um, I, I I have to roll to the to, to the great book for me. Uh, you know, the Bible, man, is uh, Deuteronomy four twenty nine. Man, but if from there you seek Him, you seek Him with all your heart and soul, you'll surely find Him. And so for me, it was just saying, man, that if I seek God, and mm-hmm. with all of my heart and soul, He's there. And it's not a question of me inviting him in. He's already there. It's about me just seeking him. And so that's been just really rooted, rooting for me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think the second one, I think, is, uh, you know, Second Timothy 1. Um, you know, it talks about, for, you know, for the spirit of God does not give you a spirit of fear, um, but, you know, a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, man. You know, and I think that's just like the spirit of fear piece. I think a lot of people are fearful these days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, personally, and I think, you know, broadly thinking about the community. And mm-hmm. I just think when I think anything I'm doing that is of God, He's not going to give me a spirit of fear. Okay. Uh, so this is a question that I, I meant to ask earlier, but I think that is important. You know, you went to Harvard for undergrad, Stanford for MBA, UT, Austin um, as well, and now in seminary school. Seems like that would be an amazing network. Um, what is the illusion that many place on networks, having a network of people versus friendships? Ooh, man. The illusion is that, it, you know, um, the reality is that you know we we're gonna you're gonna spend nearly half of your waking lives working, 
Right. Mm-hmm. So on one end, I think there's some practical reality that sadly, there's almost like the sec- informal secondary market when it comes to the job market. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny that you have all these job boards and the like, but most people are working back channels and d- building relationships with people to get jobs and mm-hmm. to, to move forward in a relationship. So there's a, so I think it's important to have, I think, relationships that I think are diverse. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that no matter what community you're in educationally, I think it's important for you to build relationships. Yeah. Friendships, man. Friendships are all-encompassing. There's one thing for somebody, and I think when you have people who are great mentors and things that I don't just care about how this this um, this you know tempor- you know this temporary uh, transaction could work for us right now, mm-hmm. or this business that can work right now. Friendships say I care about you. The now is kind of like you know the was and is and is before I've cared about you. I care mm-hmm. about you now, and I care about you in the future. Right. There's something about knowing that when I go into that that mentor's you know you know place, or I go into that partner's office. He's going to give me advice or she's going to give me advice that's going to say, you know, I want your best interest. In, yeah, like I, I'm, I, I care about not just you being in this company. I care about you as a person. And I'm thinking about you holistically because there's a lot of people, man, where I'm just like, yo, business is great. But like, what about your personal life, your family? Right. I want somebody to I want people when it comes to friendship, people care about you. And they're thinking holistically. And so when I come to people or when I'm receiving people, I'm just not asking, they're answering their questions or I'm not giving questions in a vacuum. Every part of your life interacts with every part of your life. Mm -hmm. You know, when a student comes to school hungry, it's hard for them to learn. It's hard for them to listen. Right. right? But if I'm coming to my job, but I feel lonely at home or I'm having strife, right, or you're a young kid, my parents just got divorced or something happens, you're not all there. So I'd rather come and have people around me who care about all of me. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, if you're going to invest time in mm-hmm. relationships, invest time in relationships with people so they can actually care about you. Because if you hear about any industry, people work with people that they like and they care about. Absolutely. And it's got to be beyond that, that transaction. Okay. One question that nobody can escape the Create Your Life series with, without asking. <laughs> you said escape, man. You this can't is... escape. You can't get <laughs> off the show without Give asking Give me back this. my son. <laughs> Sir, what three things would you tell someone looking to create their best life? Ooh. Um, what three things? Real quick. Oh, three uh, things. Um, man, have faith. Okay. Um, be courageous. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Use your greatest asset to meet the greatest need. Okay. Okay. What's next for you and our family dinner? Mm-hmm. So family dinner, uh, again, us really getting back to the, the meat and potatoes, the basics of opening people's homes. I think that is radical in, in a time like this for people mm-hmm. to, to have people around the country, around the world to do that. Um, so that's number one. I think uh, number two from personally. Oh, hey, what's going on, y'all? <laughs> you got this Facebook live rocking. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I'm glad it's not the lonely room. Right. So. Um, <laughs> But, um, you know, but I think this, the, the second thing is, you know, I'm really spending a lot of time. I think one, there's just a, uh, you know, I'm praying about just, uh, you know, you know, continuing to, you know, uh, join the, the Lord in his work in terms of just building communities of faith, mm-hmm. um, you know, around the world. And so, you know, praying for that. So I ask for the community to pray for me in that and, mm-hmm. uh, and, that, and that endeavor. I think the second thing is that uh, because of family dinner, family dinner was the heart around building people, helping people build lifelong f- friendships and relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I care about that because I'm seeing a lot of adults now, you know, a lot of my friends, a lot of my peers now. You know, people are people are passing away. Yeah. Health just changing. Yeah. People are losing jobs. Parents mm-hmm. are starting to pass. We're, we're in that stage of our lives, Kev. Yeah. And they're recognizing that, yo, they're looking at the, you know, f- you know, fire shows the builders work. They're looking at their life and they're like, I don't have really close friends. Yeah. 
And so for me, that is just something that burdens me. It burns my heart. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I'm going to I'm spending a lot more time. You know, I was in Chicago. I was, I was speaking about a lot about. Uh, you know, friendship in adulthood and how you build relationship in adulthood, what that means, what that looked like, and how is that different than college mm-hmm. or business, you know, or work. And I think people really are yearning for, uh, I think, practical ways to address that. That being said, how can we keep in contact with you? Like, what's your social media handles and how do we find out about, you know, where to when and where to attend the next family dinner? Uh, most definitely, man. Uh, so, uh, you know, connect with me on uh, on the uh, Instagram. Uh, you could get me at Aja, A as an Apple, D as in David, J as in Jack, A as an Apple, H as in hello, underscore L. I do that a lot because time on a cable messes up. Uh, <laughs> spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Aja L. Uh, you could, uh, you know, do, that's the same thing across all social media, um, Facebook, mm-hmm. Lawrence Aja or Lawrence E. Aja. You'll be able to see the page. And then uh, feel free to email me, Lawrence at LawrenceAja.com. Go to my website, www.LawrenceAja.com. And then family dinner, man, I'm so thankful for just uh, think the team and how they're planning. Mm-hmm. Our family dinner, O-U-R, familydinner.org. Uh, definitely be patient. They're working. They're cooking things up uh, for this next year. Um, you know, go there, sign up, um, or just re- email us and, uh, you know, email us, welcome at ourfamilydinner.org and, you know, share your thoughts or your interests and, uh, you know, bringing to see your city. This is the part of the interview, which you call a turnaround. So okay. now you can ask me any questions. You get three. Um, okay. So you, you can ask me any three questions and I have to answer. Man, listen, man, I'm going to put you on the spot, man. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, Uh-oh. Uh, here we go, man. <laughs> All right, dog. Uh, so, you know, Purple Rain or Thriller, man? Thriller. <laughs> McDonald's, In-N-Out, Chick-fil-A, man? None. Bruh. If I had to pick if one, you had it would to be. Pick. Oh, come on. In and Out versus Chick Fil A, though. You just, I like how you just locked up the McDonald's on it. All I right. mean, nobody. I don't eat. That. I don't really eat fast food, and I, I'm not eating meat. So I'm uh, okay. I, I mean, what you want? You want sprout? Uh, you want you want sweet greens? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I mean, back at, see In and Out. I would literally go to California, and make an exception for In and Out, and eat red meat. But Chick-fil-A is like, you know, I went to college in Atlanta, brother. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, man. Hey, man. I, I, I can't make that decision. You can't? Oh, sh- How often do I have to eat it? Bro, this, I'm just saying once. You have, to make, you have one choice. If I have one choice, I'm probably rolling with that in and out. Bruh, man. And I know you're, cult- you're cultured, bruh, and I know you, you've been around the world, and so I'm going to put you on the spot. This is a real... I was going to ask you something else, but I think that I think the people want to hear this. Okay. I think uh, my family wants to hear this. Everyone wants to hear this. Okay. Nija Jalof or Ghana Jalof? Ooh, now that is unfair. That is unfair. Bruh, man. That is unfair. You bruh, cannot man, do you, that. Yo, this, you this, cannot, this, this you can't can ask eat, that this question. This can through your whole station situation if you get this wrong, bro. Don't get this wrong. Have you ever seen Be that honest. meme where it's like the they have like the uh, the picture of the Ninja Turtles and then they have a turtle with like two uh, butter knives <laughs> on his back and it said one is Nigel Jalof and then the other one is Ghanaian Jalof. <laughs> well, I will say this: I've only had Nigerian Jalof so far, and I, so mm. I'm staying out of that. I'm not answering that until oh, I've had both. No. Until I've had both, oh, I can't answer okay. that, bro. Okay, all right, all right. Cool, so man. I guess you, you get another, you get, a, you get, you get a couple, you get a couple of questions. Okay, cool, I, I man. You, you, you know, uh, you know, your, your favorite movie of all time. Of all time, oh man! Wow, of all time though. Of all time, man. I don't have. A, I don't know about of all time. It's gonna be Black Panther though. 
Oh, so oh, so you, you, you declaring it in advance. Man. Hey, man. That I felt so empowered by seeing that, brother. Like, man. It's going to be Black Panther. Yeah, man. So, I mean, get your measurements in, man. Get your, get your cloth. Get your traditional game rocket. Everybody's going to go up Yo, there with the slippers. The Instagram fam is, <laughs> is tuning in. Like, yeah. Angela Singleton said, in and out. You know what I mean? Uh, Jay Stagg said, Lion King. Yeah, you okay. Uh, okay. You know what I mean? Dana um, Lucille Bobbitt, who's actually my aunt on the low, yeah. asked, hold on, she's got a question. Hold on. Yeah, no, no problem. She said, where did you get your great heart from? It seems so trustworthy. Oh, man. Oh, man. I can't, man. Uh, I think I have to triangulate that, man, uh, at all. And uh, I, I, I work for it to be so, but I think one is just you know, the spirit of God, and I think it's God. I think two, my family, man, and uh, my, my, my parents, I think my parents, my dad and my mom, my mom has an amazing heart, mm. you know? And, you know, even for us being, um, you know, not having much, you know, as yeah. immigrants and coming to this country not really knowing what, my mom was always giving. We used to always get on her, like, every garage sale. Like, my mom had this thing where she's like, garage sale, she, like, you know, hoard stuff back home. But what the funny thing, the counteract was that my mom gave away so much when we you know we're not able to, to, to fit anything she's not listening to nigeria but salvation army knew her name because mm. anything that we were not using she brought there and so that was just my mom and her heart and my dad as well he for anybody who's been on new jersey transit you know northeast corridor man like they felt like they ran into my dad because he was i feel like i got a lot of my spirit from him and uh he introduced himself to people and was just very kind so i'd say that my parents and then obviously just uh life experience and i think i'm still working on it and mm. uh but i appreciate that and uh you know you know hope that it, it just gets better okay awesome well beautiful people uh i mean we pretty much wrap land lawrence thank you so much for coming on oh, the show man, man. Love, man. blessing us dude this is man one of the one of the best shows that we've had so far thank you brother um create your life series we literally have 60 seconds so if anybody <laughs> on instagram or on facebook has a question ask it now we're gonna get lawrence to answer it in less than 60 seconds <laughs> go Let's see uh-oh michelle hargraves hold on okay Beautiful person. It was an honor working with you. Oh, that is Michelle, who's actually on our team. She's uh, who you were corresponding with. She said you are a beautiful person, and it is an honor to work with you. Oh, man. Michelle, she's she's so dope. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and uh, being gracious on my text message and sending you 10 songs. <laughs> yes, that's Michelle, man. She, she's an amazing uh, amazing woman, amazing oh, sister. And uh, Lonnie Hunt, she answered your uh your, your your movie question. She said, "Enough is her favorite movie." Oh. I think that's the Jennifer Lopez. Enough. Movie. Oh man, that ain't that's my mental Rolodex. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah, that's the new one I got. Check. I put that in the queue. We're gonna have to get that right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, beautiful people. Uh, happy Sunday. We will be back um, next week. Beautiful people. If you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. 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 Create your life.